Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Trials with Maya Z, brought to you by TrialHub, a data intelligence platform that helps clinical research organizations and sponsors plan clinical trials. This podcast is about how we can make clinical trials more successful and patient-friendly. I am your host, Maya C, and in every episode, I will be interviewing a leading expert from various industries in order to discuss some of the major challenges and brainstorm how we can solve them. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome again uh, with Trials with Maya D. Today, I have a very special guest with a very special topic. First, let me present Martin Kraus, a CEO of MGK Research and the president of the German Association of Clinical Research uh, Organizations. Martin, thank you very much for joining me. If you want to say a little bit uh, more about yourself first. Yeah, thank you very much, Maya. It was really a pleasure to be being here. And uh, yeah, I'm more than 25 years in, in clinical research already. Uh, by background, as a long time ago, I'm a, I'm a statistician. I founded the own company in 2002. And in 2017, I became also the president, as you said, of the German CRO Association. So I'm very well connected also in the CRO industry and in clinical research overall. And um, I like what I'm, what I'm doing and uh, it's really exciting and always with challenges. And today we are talking about a real challenge with uh, CTRR cities. That will be fascinating, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Today, the topic is something that uh, many people are expecting. Let me tell everyone the story behind why I invited you precisely. We work with a lot of uh, clinical research organizations and for like pharmaceutical companies and biotech companies. And since the new CTIS uh, that was launched last year, we started getting all these questions. What do we do now? Uh, can you give us a little bit more insights, et cetera, et cetera. And then one day, uh, one of my, my colleagues, um, she came to me and said, hey, Maya, I know you were doing this podcast. I have the perfect guest for you. Uh, and I was like, okay, who? And she said, you should definitely speak with uh, Martin Krauss because they are a key opinion leader uh, regarding the CTIS. Um, take their like white papers and all the things that they are writing out there. And that's when I actually saw LinkedIn, how much you actually speak about the CTIS. For our guests, let's first explain what CTIS means, actually. The CTIS is the, it stands for the Clinical Trial Information System. It's new uh, system in uh, across uh, all European countries, actually countries within the European Union, mainly. Um, and uh, it has a great goal to unify the submission, like the, all the, the, the protests around clinical trials. But because it's also very new, there are a lot of questions and challenges right now. And I'm so happy to see companies like yours who speak loud about the, these challenges and uh, about the solutions that you've discovered one way or another. And I'm very happy that today you're going to give us more from the kitchen, so to say, your perspective on how can we handle the CTIS. Um, and I have a few questions to start with, uh, Martin. Again, from your perspective, did the CTIS manage really to prove its concept of reducing the submission timelines? to increase the transparency and centralization. Because yes, what the CTS really tries to achieve is have one place, one submission place for all countries. So was this achieved? 
Yeah, so there's several questions. Perhaps I, I would like at least to start that the general idea of um, a greater harmonization across Europe is, is definitely the right approach. And CTR, so the clinical trial regulation, and um, I would say technical uh, software solution to handle that as clinical trial information system is definitely a possibility to, to, to get it done. But there are obstacles. And then you, you're talking about reducing submission timelines. I'm, I'm not sure whether this is really, really achieved and whether this is really the most important topic to, to achieve. We have, um, with the recent report on CITES performance, and there are so-called key performance indicators, a report um, from, from the EMA, from the European Medicines Agency, uh, it's an average um, timeline of a, around 90 calendar days. This is not too far away from what we have seen before under the old legislation. Uh, and this is not, does it look like a, a clear reduction of timelines? And, and as I said, maybe this is not um, the most important part. You need to have a reasonable review. You need time of it. We, we will talk later on perhaps as well, difficulties for sponsors and CROs to handle the so-called request for information in a, in a certain small time um, timeframe and um, um, yeah. And then on the other hand, it really depends on the type of the study. If you have a, a mono uh, national study, many uh, authorities have reduced timelines. So this is perhaps okay how it has been um, uh, resolved. I, I just wanted to ask you like weaker than if we have to start uh, first with the biggest strengths of this new new system. Which are these top strengths that the new system represents to all of us? Which are these pluses that the, the new system represents to all of us uh, from the clinical research ecosystem? What are these yeah, the, like the, positive sides uh, yeah, of the system? The positive sides um, are definitely in a real international trial, you are getting one consistent study protocol over all countries. And um, it's, I mean, in principle, with one submission, you can cover up to 30 countries. It's the European economic area that's covered. Yeah. And uh, this is, I mean, this is an important clinical research area and you can cover it yeah. with one, one submission, definitely an advantage. One you get through the system, uh, finally, then, um, then you can start the trial in every country you have submitted uh, or you have included in your submission immediately at the same time and in a, on a consistent protocol. This is good for um, a consistent clinical research. In former days, we had different versions of study protocols uh, over the different countries and difficulties to analyze them, to handle them, to make that consistent. And so this is definitely a plus. And as I said from the very beginning, harmonization across Europe is an important topic. and um, yeah. That's the right idea behind, say this word. So what are the weaknesses then? So what haven't we yeah. done right yet? Right, yeah. You mentioned in a, in a question about the uh, transparency. So in principle, transparency is, is a good thing. And the patients are eager to know key information about the study they are participating yeah. and perhaps also the society is interested in. However, what has been done is that this transparency is going far beyond and making it much too complex. Um, so in principle, it's a little bit, um, some or many of the 
the information needs to be made public only after seven years. And at that time, rarely any real secret is still in the documents. Uh, but as a result, I think that every sponsor thinks that, oh yeah, transparency, I don't want it to, um, to get this published already, even if it's only after seven years, there is a certain um, bad gut feeling. And this is something mm. which is bad because uh, we don't want to decrease the number of clinical trials in Europe in this territory, but uh, it doesn't make it more attractive with this transparency rules that makes everything very complicated. Uh, also, to save, say, data protection issues, to, to save personal data, you reduct documents, you have to upload many documents in a, a, a double version, one not redacted for the authorities and one redacted for the public. And this is, um, this is very cumbersome. And this, this could have been done better. And I think we need to, um, to think about it, how we can make it, uh, again, more efficient. Okay, and what about, uh, I, I know my colleague was very eager to understand more about the first red sign, so to say. Um, we're speaking about the errors that you can get so when you're submitting your documents that you need to, uh, like basically the submission needs to be pulled back and then initiated from, from the very beginning. And then there is also a limit on the number of substantial modifications that you can do. So these are some red flags reported January 2023. So has this been already improved in one way or is, still, is it still the case? At the very beginning, um, some applications were rejected because they were invalid. There had been formal deficiencies and difficulties. And of course, still up to now, one of the um, hurdles is that uh, for the formal deficiencies, you have only 10 calendar days time to resolve it as a sponsor. And for um, content deficiencies, only 12 calendar days. And if mm -hmm. you miss it, then um, you have to do it anew. You pull back, you initiate from the very beginning, and that's not the best, not the best approach. Uh, indeed, and the clinical trial information system is the only communication platform. In former days, you pick up the phone because there were some deficiencies that you don't understand correctly or was difficult, and then the, you ask, How, um, what do you expect? And then you get an answer and then you could answer it in a correct way. Now, um, it's much more difficult. That's one of the, the obstacles. About the limitation of substantial modifications, that's only partly true. This is true for one EU member state. If this EU member state would not authorize the substantial modification directly, then it's, it's different. So, um, mm -hmm. There could be seven or even 12 substantial modifications per year. Perhaps it's too, going too far into detail. Um, yeah. Seven is for part one, 12 for part two. But um, this is not a big issue, I would say. Mm -hmm. I understand. So, Martin, um, you're the CEO of a clinical research organization with lots of uh, experience. Um, what does it mean for you, this CTIS, like for, as, as a CRO? Mm -hmm. Yeah, at one hand, it means um, much more work, much more um, interaction between the sponsor and the CRO at the very beginning. It starts with um, um, having the right user account, access rights, who is doing what, um, responsibility lists, who is authorized 
to do what with the user accounts within the CETA system. It's not, not that easy because all the, the sponsors are different organized and also the CROs. And yeah. during the process, you need to be organized very efficiently. Um, it's only calendar days. So working over the weekend or even working within a very tight timeline, we are not a global CRO, but I've heard from my colleagues in global CROs that they have set up teams all around the globe to work 24 hours to uh, keep the, to meet the timelines. And this is really um, a difference compared to, to former days. But would it result at the end of the day at, uh, with um, with faster submission, for example? Yeah, I, I would say it should be. At least, I mean, you can start one, once you have an approval, you can start in all the European countries you have involved uh, at the same time. Maybe you need a little bit more preparational time. Why is that? Mm -hmm. On one hand, you need to collect all the information from all sides, from all countries in advance to submit it once. First and second, maybe you would like to prepare even uh, study protocol and everything much better, just not to get too many deficiency requests or mm. requests for information is now called in a deficiency letter where you have only 10 or 12 days to respond, not to start from the very beginning. So if you take this overall, I think, yeah, it could be faster starting at once, but um, uh, you need to invest something in advance to make that possible. Okay. So basically, it's same timelines, more or less, but then you have to restructure your uh, your work, more preparation versus then doing more after work in a way. Honestly, I'm listening to this challenge and I'm thinking that probably it's the right thing to do, not just in Europe, but across like everywhere, because preparation can avoid uh, a lot of mistakes down the road. It can avoid repetitive work. Uh, it, it should actually, the promise should be to have much better communication with the regulatory bodies as well. So, um, I know it can sound any, any change actually is a challenge because you're just changing your habits. You're, you're doing something differently, but the promise of just, uh, having one place to submit all your documentation, uh, let's say the, it's, it's pretty good. What you need to do though, is pay, uh, the price, which is better preparation. So tell me about sponsors. Are they now prepared to comply with these new requirements? Let's say, what's the impact of the CDIS to sponsors? Yeah. Um, I mean, they are definitely prepared. It started quite long ago when they uh, announced uh, CTR is not a new one. I think it was 2014 when it was published. And then over the years, there was a lot of um, um, uh, say, uh, trainings, presentations, interactions, sponsors, uh, larger sponsors have started to have their own working groups to be prepared for for the system. But, I mean, once it started in, in, in principle, then the, the technical issues is for perhaps something you could not foresee. And this is uh, as perhaps the largest impact on one hand, the system to handle the user accounts, and on the other hand, the clinical trial information system with all the complexity, still bugs, um, and difficult workarounds. So this is something you really could prepare for. And as you know, only if you are really using it, then you're recognizing the, the difficulties. And so I think for everyone, it was uh, a challenge. 
Yeah. And how do you feel uh, on behalf of the support that you're getting from the uh, from the CTIS team? Were they prepared to support you and cover technical challenges quickly? Are they now improving in a way? Yeah, that's a difficult question. We are not. We are still not satisfied with the system. So mm -hmm. um, it still seems to be much too complex. If you are looking at the uh, uh, the whole development, um, it was uh, difficult. Uh, the IT company who has set it up has been changed during the whole process. You know it uh, also with your company. If you are setting up, uh, if you are developing software and you are changing even companies, not only teams, then, then it's very difficult to have a consistent product at the very end. What they have not done the right way is they wanted to, to do it with one um a pro, I say or or at once everything in a high complexity instead of starting with core functionality and start from there and add on modules and that's really something we are still suffering until today i would say uh, just some some clear words uh ema with that system is really violating existing law because in the clinical trial regulation, Article 80, about this EU portal, that's the CITES. It's, it's definitely written, um, the EU portal shall be technically advanced and user-friendly so as to avoid unnecessary work. And what they have done, even when they have started, they have already mentioned many, many bugs that are still in there. They have yeah. set up, say, cumbersome, time-consuming workarounds and workarounds are considered to be a resolved issue. And that's not fair because it puts a lot of burden into uh, to sponsors and CROs to, to handle the whole system. The support, I mean, principle, EMA would like to support, but course, the yeah. personal, the staff there are just overwhelmed by so many issues that this is still not satisfying saying this words. Yeah. It's not impossible. Uh, I mean, we need to be fair. It's not uh, terrible, but it could be much better. Yeah. And I can imagine like with every new product, it just takes some time uh, to go through the early versions of this product and recognize which are these inefficiencies that you didn't plan for, uh, you, didn't, you couldn't predict, but then you need to have uh, ways to quickly adopt uh, the client's feedback and, and trying to improve. It's it, like on words, it sounds simple, but actually it's not that simple. Uh, there are like whole methodology around how you build products and how you like release MVPs and so on and so forth. But I hope, I really hope that um, with the time that will get better and we'll get closer to this goal of transparency and simplicity and so on and so forth. I hope you're enjoying this episode. If you find this topic relevant, you'll find it helpful to book a demo with our team on trialhub.com. Since 2019, we've supported more than 3,000 clinical trials with country, site, and patient feasibility. We'd love to show you how and help you get your trial right from the start. And now, back to my guests. Martin, I also want to ask you another thing about the UK. Because now the UK is outside of the CTIS. Is that a plus or minus for the UK? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it could be both. Uh, I think the, 
the brand equity of the United Kingdom as a venue for clinical trials is based on the language and the eminence of the investigators. Um, compared to studies in the European Union, another beneficial feature is that most of the study documents will not be published. So talking about transparency. But in real life, the overall approval process for studies in the UK needs a lot of work, is complex, also confusing somehow, and ever-changing. So um, at least in the past, they have not achieved um, being uh, a, bet a better place. However, their public relation is much better. So currently, they have a lot of stuffing issues and problems in, at the MHRA, and it takes longer. They are announcing that they will improving and the advantage is, of course, that they can operate outside the European Union, so just the own country. But whether they're really getting into a first-class environment of clinical trials, um, we will see. I'm, I, I, ha I hardly believe it, finally, um, but they are promoting it already and then it will be, would be an interesting place but uh, currently also based on experience they are not yet there so you see even alone it's mm. uh it's not as easy as we have some some issues and difficulties uh, within the european union i think that's uh that's a currently a fair fair perspective on that uk could have advantages making it better than the european union whether they really achieve it we will see it it will be exciting to see the further development. Um, and if we are to, to speak about, um, let's say, uh, Europe versus the States, like FDA in general, are we behind or uh, are actually, are we trying to achieve what they have achieved in the past or are we bringing something completely innovative in terms of way of working? Yeah, it's, it's always a little bit like everything what happens in the US is coming sooner or later also to, to, to Europe. That's perhaps okay. one of the big experiences overall, not only in clinical trials. Um, uh, US also is um, um, a quite expensive place in running clinical trials. It might, might be a disadvantage. On the other hand, they try to be very innovative and bringing new uh, developments faster into the clinical research area. And we need to keep up with that speed in Europe. That would be a good advice to, to, to become even better. But as you know, we have so many key opinion leaders in Europe. We have excellent yeah. hospitals, clinics, clinical research, yeah. universities, much better than in the US. In the US, you have these excellent medical centers, but there are only a few of them. And, and lots of medical centers are not as excellent as the majority in Europe. So it's a big discrepancy here in the US between the good ones and the bad ones. And in Europe, yeah. it's more equally distributed. So there are good, yeah. good arguments for coming to Europe and that we will compete overall globally in the clinical research area. Listening to you uh, about the medical centers on the States, it just reminds me uh, the rationale behind this diversity and inclusion in clinical trials. I think, uh, for example, um, that's a big trend right now uh, across uh, the, the States. Everyone's thinking, how, how can I diversify the, the patient population that, that participates in my clinical trial. In Europe, we're less concerned but because I think, like you said, Martin, our system is quite different. Also, um, an observation on my end is that um, in the States, you have more professional research centers, where in Europe, most of the research centers are also hospitals with normal access to patients, all sorts mm -hmm. of patients, right? So I guess 
everywhere there are pluses and minuses. Uh, and I guess everywhere we're fighting different fights, uh, how to make it better. I hope we'll find a way to unify it across everywhere because let's not forget that clinical trials are a global thing. Like I call it global animal. <laughs> it is, it is. And I think that thinking about it, what other are doing better, what we can do better, that this competition also improves the whole clinical research globally. And that's uh, what we're doing in our companies as well. We're making uh, clinical research better because we are in competition. So this is also something to have in mind. Looking at the others, what can we do? What can we improve? And perhaps UK in this regard helps us as well, being a forerunner in some areas where we can uh, also uh, get into. So um, let's have an optimistic view finally on the whole topic. Um, Martin, any uh, recommendations that you have uh, to other colleagues from the CRO space and not just CROs, but also sponsors while working with the CTIS or anything that they should be expecting? Yeah, I think very important is that uh, on one hand, the interaction between sponsor and CRO needs to be very close at the very beginning. Yeah. So they should be talking to each other, um, making right responsibilities, user accounts that, that I've mentioned. On the other hand, it's very important to have a very open communication to say, look, there will be hiccups. Just to mm -hmm. make it very clear, we will make it until the approval. So there's no doubt about it. The system is not a, yeah. a full disaster. So, But it's not working as it, it's expected. So if you're, if you're not telling your sponsor the truth that there will be some difficulties and it will be not the fault of the CRO. It will be uh, just a matter of fact that it's difficult. Then it's, it's easy going. So if you do not have these high expectations at the very beginning, you will get, get through it. And, um, and then the second one is this open communication is also this short um, response timelines for the sponsor, even for sure. small companies. That's, a huge challenge. If you imagine 10 calendar days, I mean, this is nothing. If there is a certain request, then you need to think about what can you, how can you answer it? Then you need to approve. You have review cycles. That's the big challenge. So, so this, this specific part needs to be communicated very clearly. That's a, that's an advice. And then it's, it's a team working effort and then you will get it done. Um, Finally, your recommendations now remind me of one of the, the episodes that were released a few weeks ago uh, with one of uh, uh, one of the experts within the biotech space. And uh, I asked him uh, about like his advice, uh, how you should better work with clinical research organizations, because he's usually on the sponsor side. And he more yeah. or less gave the same advice, even though it wasn't related to the CTIS. Right. So right. I just want to summarize that because it's again. Super important, again, not only because of the CTAs, but in general, in life, if you want to have better results, if we want to be more productive together, sponsors and heroes, we need to have a close related interaction, open communication, transparency between each other. What you said, raising realistic expectations, in this case, the CRO communicating, because you come with experience, communicating that there may be some challenges with the CTS, maybe mm. challenges with other things. On top of my head is the recruitment rates, right? But <laughs> being transparent yeah. and like raising uh, um, realistic expectations so that the sponsor knows what to expect. And then the third one is 
finding processes and ways to work together so that you can rely on each other. Um, not only short response time, you mentioned short response time because for the CTIS, this is very important, but across the board, I think that relying on each other, having processes and tools in place that enable this interaction, at the end of the day, will make you more productive. Absolutely. Maybe I can I can add, uh, when you mentioned it, also the preparation of the um, submission, including the startup border call, is perhaps an important part that, that the sponsor also accepts that CROs usually have a, a, a real big experience in, in doing so and hearing what they are saying regarding uh, the regulatory approach, uh, the study design, some, some topics of that, which is important um, not to fail, say, in the whole process. So good preparation work, also interaction with the investigators, perhaps not with all of them, that makes it complicated, but with the yeah. most important ones, just to make sure that you have an feasible startup protocol that's acceptable to authorities and ethics committees. I think mm. that's an important preparational work for both sponsors and CROs. Yes, that's that's very important, Martin. Thank you so much for, for mentioning that. And I hope that in half a year from now, or okay, let's say a year from now, we'll have another yeah. conversation this time to discuss how much the CTS got improved and how much like a positive impact it has on our work. Because you're right, Europe is the second probably region selected for conducting clinical trials after the States, for example. So having better system in place, it's good for the region, it's good for patients, it's good for everyone, for, for the world and the world and future of clinical research. Martin, thanks once again for sharing your experience and good luck with your next submissions. <laughs> I hope so too. Yeah, thank you very much, Maya. Hope you enjoyed listening to Trials with Maya Z. If you're interested to hear more about how clinical trials can serve patients globally, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Have a great day.